Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Do you happen to have uh, the mayor's uh, number on you? Uh, I do not. Do you got an email? Uh, I could find one. All right. If you could do help me with that, uh, because I got a, an idea. New law I want to see put in place. Okay. Uh, anybody who owns a dog and allows that dog to poop on anybody's property without picking it up, they will be... Much like a dog that's gone past its best before date, they will be put down to rest. Oh, death. The owner's corporal yes. punishment. Yes. yes, for dog poop. <laughs> now, it, it'll, it'll be done uh, in a very humane way, but I'm sorry, you have uh, given up your uh, right to walk amongst us was in society. There, uh, was there an incident? Yeah, it ended up on my shoe. Oh. Last night when I'm putting out the garbage, I uh, walk across the grass on the boulevard. I guess from now on, i got to walk down my driveway and on the road. Right. But anyhow, I felt that squish and slip. And I said, in very graphic language, son of a gun. Yes. Yes. Uh, to that effect. So the hose went to the shoe. And, and I went into the house and, of course, was ranting. And immediately, in my brain, blamed the dog. And I said, if I find that dog, I'm going to kill that dog. <laughs> and Maria said... Well, first of all, how would you know what dog pooped? And second right. of all, it's not the dog's fault. And I said, you are correct, my love. It's the owner's fault, and I'm going to kill them. Right. So I'm going to install, like, secure, like massive security cameras around my complex. Right. And I am just going get the to... Ones, uh, a little one that just has a light so like, you know that it's on. Okay. Right? They yeah. have those. You can get one with a security light or basically a power light. So you, when, when the camera's on... And people know it. I got to find some way of like electrifying my grass. <laughs> so if anybody poops or pees on it, they're all getting a shock. Like the dog shock I callers. I think that would be somewhat counterintuitive for you because everyone's going to poop themselves or pee themselves <laughs> when they're shocked on your lawn. You know, you have more of a situation. There, and there's a lot of ignorant things that we all do as human beings, a lot of rude and ignorant things. But if you allow your dog to poop on somebody's property and you leave it there, you're a scumbag. Right. You're as bad as the poop that's on that ground. Especially you're a all, big piece of poop. With all of the cameras that are around now, like people will know. Yeah. <laughs> if it's not their house, the neighbor, the, almost everywhere, there's a there's a porch camera somewhere on that street or a doorbell camp the most angles are covered at some yeah. point and i don't know what it is with my maybe because i'm on a corner so there's more grass there's more walking but it just seems like every dog in town either wants to pee on my lamp or poop on my property right well because once one does the rest go around and sniff it and they've got to leave their scent yeah. too right i i find it interesting because you know, you've got, because you live on a corner, you've got a long boulevard, mm -hmm. right? Which people kind of assume is not your property, although you still take care of it. And maintain it, yeah. Right? And and so, you know, like if if I'm walking the dog and he starts going on someone's lawn mm. uh, to, to do something, I'm more apt to be like, no, 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 hang on. Come over here to the boulevard. Right. I'm still going to pick it up. I usually yank in about a clump of grass, like a divot out of there, <laughs> in order to get it all up and out. Um, but I, I agree with you. It, it is one of the uh, worst things that pet owners do. That and that the fact that they will bag it and pick it up and then leave that bag somewhere. It's just I find so, that so ignorant. It really is. Like you've already done the dirty work. Now who the hell is supposed to go and pick this thing up?
Yeah, I mean, it's the, it's all so gross. And I my stomach is just not good. It's why I don't own a dog. We have a dog living at our house, but that dog poop is not my territory. I spent too much time dry heaving over dog poop. When it's a straight, it's kind of like human poop. Like your poop is fine. Somebody else's poop is really right. gross, right? And so the same, now I got this dog poop on my foot that I don't even know whose dog poop it is. And now I got the hose going to it and I'm dry heaving out in the driveway. <laughs> oh, so that's it. I'm just, that's the new law. You leave dog poop, you must uh, be put down. Let me, uh, let me suggest, perhaps corporal punishment might be tough for the mayor to impose. Right. Um, Maybe go back to something as simple as when, uh, you know, sometimes when you're training an animal mm. and it and it makes a mess and you're upset with it, yeah. you try and rub its nose in it. That's a trick. Maybe that's what you'd like to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bring oh, the I, owner back I, and they have to <laughs> rub their face. I'd hold their head down like a, <laughs> like a head in the toilet in a prison scene. Do you own a garage? Do you have a two-car garage, a single-car, a three-car, your fancy pants with your four- and five-car garages? <laughs> well, even if you had a ten-car garage, there's probably no cars in it, rammed with crap. Almost half of us say, we have a garage, it's so cluttered, we can't park a vehicle inside. Right. I've only ever had a single-car garage, and I've often thought, boy, it would be nice to have a double-car garage. But I know, like most people, I would just fill up the other side with twice as much crap. Yeah, I don't think in the time, we probably owned uh, three or four homes that had a garage, and not once did we ever park a car. Oh, really? Could never. Uh, I guess when you are in Windsor, you didn't really have need to. It didn't snow quite as much there, right? Yeah, it didn't snow as much, and we just, with the kids and all the stuff you uh, gather over the years, you know, perhaps a lot of men... They'll take that garage and move into a house. They got that garage. It's all empty and clean, and and it's you know it's yours to figure out what you want to do with it. And a lot of guys will put in a workbench that they'll never use and tools that they'll barely ever uh, touch. And mm-hmm. then a store, you know, you start collecting lawn furniture. And in the winter, it goes in, and Christmas stuff comes out and goes back in, and Halloween stuff. And Jerry Seinfeld has the great bit about stuff that comes into your house and how it makes it eventually to the garage. That's right. its final resting place. Yeah. And there, yeah, there is a lot of that. Like stuff, the, the used once a year stuff. Mm. It usually finds its way into the garage. Or if you have a crawl spacing kind of thing. Yeah. Where you tuck it away and it just, it, it's it's kind of like your own organization system. Like mm. you have a lot of boxes and, and uh, we have a lot of those Tupperware tubs, those yeah. big tubs that just are labeled with, you know, whether it's Christmas lights, Halloween decorations, seasonal stuff. Mm-hmm. So many of us now have the secondary uh, fridge or the beer fridge in the garage, and that's where the garage really does become a man's haven. Because sometimes, you know, the chaos in the house, the kids, uh, just family in general, and you go out and you go, i got to put out the garbage, and your wife says, didn't you put out the garbage last night? No, i got to put it out again. <laughs> and you step out there and you close that door. And it's just silent. <laughs> and you... Stand bathed in the light of the beer fridge. You have a cold one. You pound it fast so she doesn't catch you. Right. You put it gently into the recycling so she doesn't hear it clang. And you just stand there and you stare at your winter tires. Well, it's funny. I We looked at a house before we moved into this one. Uh, very similar to it, but it didn't have a door into the garage. Like a walk-in into the house mm. from the garage. I thought... Oh, what a pain. How do I get one of these in here? Right. right. Because you see people who don't have that. The garage, you got to walk around to the front of the garage. That's a pain. Open the main door and like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. Because 
Because we use our garage, yeah, as a storage space. It's our cellar mm-hmm. or cold storage at some points, too. But food and all sorts of crap that's in there. I don't even know if new cars, especially like SUVs or minivans, a lot of them, I don't even know that you could fit them in like an older garage that from a house that was built in the 70s. Yeah, probably a lot of single garages that won't fit that. Yeah. The garage is uh, probably my favorite room in the whole house. Next to the bathroom. <laughs> That's where I do my best thinking. Just stare out. Sometimes you open up the garage door, you'll see guys do this too, and I'm I'm the one who does this. Especially if you just cut the grass or say you've shoveled snow. You like to look at your work. Right. You stand there with a beer in your hand, garage door open, people drive by, give them a cheers. How you doing? Look at my lawn. Look at my driveway. Right. I did something. I accomplished something. It's funny that uh, and when it comes to the garage, like a couple times a year, I'll do the, the tidy up. Mm. Like organize the garage, clean it out. You know, I mean, we've always got to switch around with like, bikes and stuff. I have to go down to the shed and, right. and, and change around with the seasons. But, you know, like I've got like a dresser in my room. I don't think I've cleaned that out since I moved in. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of stuff that accumulates in that. Or you're like your night, nightstand, bedside table. Yeah. Those things rarely ever get cleaned. We just throw junk in it all the time. But the garage, we throw our junk in it, and then we tend to organize our junk in there. It is amazing when you're cleaning out any anything, like, again, the nightstand and stuff. I've gone in looking for something really specific. Can't find it. But I will find the most, you know random little bits of pieces of paper where I've written like 27 on it. And I've kept that. I have no idea why. Just little jingity mingities that you collect over the years. You're like, I don't I don't really need this. Right. Anyhow, yeah. The garage, well, and how do you clean out your garage? Because we've had this uh, healthy debate at the Van Ranch where I am one to say, okay, it's a Sunday. Leave me be, I'm cleaning the garage, and I'll haul everything out onto the right. driveway. Yeah. Maria's like, no, because that makes no sense. Take a section, clean that, then reorganize it. Then don't take everything out, because you're just going to bring it all back in again. No, bring it all out. And then and then hope, with the hope that a couple of things don't come back in. Right, right. You can clear those out. We used to play a great game when we had, uh, at our house in Windsor, we had a, a fairly large loft, which was great for storage. But we'd play a game. Every now and then I'd haul everybody out into the garage, and I'd hold court, and we'd play a game. I'd go, loft or garbage? Loft right, or okay. garbage? And, of course, it all ended up in the loft. <laughs> it never. Nothing ever went to the garbage. 94.9 The Rock brings you... And there was a, a time when uh, people would get towards retirement age, and when asked what are they looking for, in retirement, what are they looking forward to? They would say, I'm oh, spending more time with family, children, grandchildren. But now more and more older people say that they're looking forward to their retirement because they're going to move farther away from their children <laughs> and grandchildren. It's because I think in today's day and age with both parents working, we're relying more and more on our parents to step up as babysitters, and the fact that we don't leave the nest now till much later in life. Right. So parents get to a point where they're like, listen, I'm not retiring just so I can sit around and watch your two-year-old cry. <laughs> no, thank you. I, I don't have many years left on this planet. I think I'd rather be walking a beach than changing a diaper. And so uh, I tend to agree with that. You made the kids. You figure it out. <laughs> 
<laughs> what has it got to be their problem all uh-huh. of a sudden? Well, yeah, I had to listen. If, if if Friday goes down the way they're saying it will, with schools closed and mm-hmm. uh, kids at home, a lot of grandparents will be getting phone calls, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, if they just if they could get that 11% raise, they could afford the best nannies. I mean, can you not read a room at all? Right. At all? After what we've been through and what we're going through with the economy? And you really can stand there with that look on your face? I mean, I, I'm not a, a huge fan of Doug Ford and his government, but i got to tell you, at least they're standing up to the uh, the teachers and the unions and the uh, the assistant teachers, whatever these people are called. Well, there's a lot of depth on both sides when it comes to this because, uh, you know, while, while yes, uh, you know, any anytime someone's asking for 11%, it seems quite exorbitant uh, because the average you know, raise is 1%, 2% mm. uh, for people, which is what's being offered in the counter offer. Um, on the flip side of things, I mean, you've got people who are making, who are, who are working uh, and, and making less than $40,000 a year, uh, which is really, uh, at this point, uh, hardly a living wage. Uh, and and so it is difficult to imagine uh, that, that that can be the best that can be offered in that position. And they've gone years without raises as well or imposed caps on those wages. I've heard, though, that, I mean, I... I've heard that number thrown around a lot in ads for the uh, the union side, and I've heard it been thrown around by other people before, but nobody ever really says what those jobs are. What, how many people within that union and that structure are living under $40,000 a year? That's what I mean in Very terms few. of both sides, because, yes, they're going to throw that number around, but this, you know, those raises would apply to people who make a lot more than that. Yeah. That's not necessarily the average of that. That being said... Right. Um, you know, Doug Ford didn't have a problem giving his ministers massive raises, sure. like sixteen thousand dollar raises mm-hmm. for people already making over a hundred grand a year in these same times. Mm-hmm. Uh so that does look a little disingenuous when you're heading to the bargaining table with that mm-hmm. looming around as well. And and on top of that, uh Stephen Lecce has had no problem doling out cash to parents. Um, you know, $200 payments here and there to, for tutoring. And it's just ways around, uh, you know, giving work, giving pay to education workers and instead putting it directly in the pocket of the parent. It's, it's an end around the situation that, again, has the union upset and up in arms. But overall, I agree with you. Reading the room in this situation where we've just gone through a couple of years of in and out of school, mm. you've got parents back at school. A lot will have to take a day off on Friday or find some other means or go to pocket for it mm-hmm. uh, to, to have their kids watched or, or minded on Friday. It puts millions of people out for these 55,000 workers. I always find it funny, too, with the, the teachers' union and the teachers and everybody involved in, in our education when they say, listen, we're all about children. Well, then strike in July. Right. Strike in August. Yeah, I mean, the message was, doesn't get through nearly as, well, as no, but don't say there. Don't say it's all about the kids. It's not. It's all about your pocketbook. And and the teachers and the the union that oversees the teachers, because, again, we always have these battles with teachers when we talk about this stuff. It's the union, and they've got a job to do. I understand that. But what Lechier and all of them see is that if they fold to this part of it, the teachers are just going to come back demanding the same thing a few years down the road. So. Well, not only that, every other union is going to come back around and yeah. say, hey, they just got 11%. Why can't we have that? No, mm-hmm. I know. It's uh, 
it's all too much. I do find it funny that they're asking for 11 and Lecce offering one. That's, that's a lot of, you know, can you not come down to, I don't know, eight and Lecce comes up to like four? Can we not find well, something in there? Going, they're going around to those numbers now, and then yeah. somewhere in the middle has to be, you know, listen, if it was 11% over the life of the contract in mm. three, four years. It might be more bearable. Well, and the thing, too, I think we still are feeling the effect uh, of when Kathleen Wynne and the Liberals were running the show, in that all of us felt at that time, or many of us looked at the situation like Wynne and, and all the Liberals would always fold to the school boards and give them whatever they wanted so they get their vote. And, right. and uh, so now, it's sometimes I think we look and go, good, somebody's finally standing up to them. Because I'll say it till the day I'm done. During this pandemic, nobody complained more than the teachers. Nobody. Not one. I didn't hear anybody else whining more than the teachers. If you've got uh, young children and you're trying to get them out of the house and off to school this morning, I bet you can uh, relate to this. Here's a pops, a dad, ranting at his daughter. traffic cones that is if my kids were still young i and i heard that today this afternoon i at some point i would refer to them as a traffic cone and they go what is that daddy you know that thing that just sits there in the street that's you traffic cone that is so great so this dad yeah I, i guess uh his daughter was getting ready for school she was late. She missed the bus. She went and woke him up and said, I need to drive. I've missed the bus. And maybe he works overnights or evenings or who knows. But he was asleep and he wasn't happy. And it's just, you can just hear it in his voice. And we've all been there. We've all snapped that way. <laughs> but he's great. And, and, and I love to, like, when you go off as a parent, you just, you're not looking for any answers. There's no room for discussion. No. This, this isn't up to debate. And even when, it, like most arguments for men, even when you figure that you're probably wrong, mm. you're sticking with it. I will say, oh, yeah, I've been, listen, even with the lovely Maria or others, uh, I've been in mid-rant or mid-heated debate, and I thought to myself, I've got this completely wrong. I, I'm wrong here, but I will not hit the brakes. Mm. I'll, I'll hit the gas. <laughs> I'll go harder. <laughs> I'll steer right into that train wreck. Oh, yeah. No, you can't. You can't give up, and you can't give in. Now, I, I will admit that I have, on occasion, uh, snapped when my kids were younger, and I would rant and yell and scream. Yeah, and guilty as charged. I think I, most of us have. Yeah, and I have gone back and apologized. Like when I, I thought, okay, they, you know, they looked at me the wrong way, and I snapped. It was not their fault, right? You know. Yeah. I mean, there have been other times where I, of course, have said, "Listen, you guys are completely in the wrong, and here's why." And I went off for three days straight. <laughs> but there was uh, there was moments where I went, "All right, listen, Daddy's just tired, or I got a lot on my mind, and it's not your fault, and I was just being a jerk." You know, you gotta, and I think that's good. You gotta show your kids that you're human, and you're gonna make mistakes, and uh, you're not gonna be the best parent ever. 
but calling your kid a traffic cone is... <laughs> oh, I want grandchildren now. Just, just listen, do me a favor, all of you parents. Refer to your kid today as a traffic cone and share with us the reaction. <laughs> you stupid traffic cone. But by far, the best of this rant is the end. Dressing in orange. I don't know. It was Halloween, and so he's referring to it more as maybe he's dressing like a traffic cone. But shut up. Just yeah, shut up. <laughs> There's nothing that's going to make this better. Ah, uh, the joys of being a parent. For Helinda's meats, it's the Godfather of the Grill, Ted Reader. Good morning, Ted. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Lucky. Ted, how are you? I'm vertical and doing all right. <laughs> it's always better than horizontal, my friend. Oh, yeah. Yes. You don't yeah. want to be in a box. No, no. Um, I was looking at your Instagram, as I always do. People should go check out at Ted Grills, Instagram, all social media. And you have a, a picture uh, of something called the real, the real Grilled Cheese. And in my mind, there really is nothing better than a quality grilled cheese sandwich. Oh. Grilled cheese sandwiches are awesome, awesome, mm -hmm. awesome. But uh, I think the recipe you're talking about is I uh, grilled the cheese. Mm -hmm. so oh, halloumi. Used, uh, halloumi. Oh, so yeah. it's a pretty dense cheese. It has low moisture and, and high fat, and uh, it grills really, really well. It is the perfect grilling cheese. And it's, it's uh, a mild... Uh, cow's milk cheese. Some halloumis are blended with cow's milk and sheep's milk, but um, it takes on lots of great flavors. So you can marinate it, you can season it, and then you can throw it directly on your grill and grill it up and have a, a really tasty, tasty sandwich. So for this, I had taken a mixture of some garlic, some assorted fresh herbs, some crushed uh, chili flakes, little salt, little pepper, little olive oil, brushed it on the cheese, let it soak uh, in that mixture. Not not super, super long, maybe 10, 15 minutes as I got the grills ready and everything else going. And then you put the cheese on. You don't want to do it on super high heat. Um, medium to medium high is about where you want to be. And you grill that cheese, and it's going to start to melt slowly. And then you flip it over and you continue to grill it. And then I took some, I took some uh, chapata bread. I cut the bun in half. I brushed it with uh, olive oil and herbs and garlic. And then toasted and grilled that bread up. And then sliced the the grilled halloumi. Placed it on top of the bread. Drizzled uh, drizzled it with some uh, honey. Hmm. And we used the honey from uh, from the joint barbecue from our apiary, okay. uh, wildflower honey, and uh, that's really it. It's pretty, pretty simple, and it's absolutely delicious. Sounds delicious, Ted, and halloumi, one of the favorites. Love halloumi when it comes to, like, kebabs mm. and doing with that. I, I will say it, it's got almost like a like a salty uh, flavor, kind of like a, like a feta, like a feta. Uh, sometimes do you have to worry or think about when you're like adding salt to that then like don't do that no it, it's up to you when when it comes to sodium on uh, on how you season i'm a i'm a heavy seasoner 
also at the joint and and when I cook I like salt and pepper um, mm. my chefs trained when I trained under my chefs it was make sure you're seasoning your food you know, and it's an important aspect when it comes to cooking is to season your food so that when the customer gets it they don't actually need to add any more salt and pepper so but salt is something that you should do on a personal level some people are watching their sodium intake so if you're watching that you probably don't want to have halloumi cheese anyway because <laughs> it is high in salt mm -hmm. but you wouldn't need to add any extra but I do. I add salt and pepper a little bit here, a little bit there, and it just adds a boost of flavor. It rounds things out and makes it tasty. Salt is uh, uh, an interesting debate, a healthy uh, disagreement at our house, <laughs> um, because it, it is a real tricky thing to cook with. Like, I have seen uh, chefs, and I've, I've seen, like, my mother-in-law is a great example. She literally can back up a truck of salt and dump it into the pot when she's making pastas or making her, her meatballs or whatever she's doing. You, you don't notice. And then other people, they just sprinkle a little salt, and it seems like it's it's too much. That's it. Yeah, it, it it's a personal note when it comes to using salt. Um, and there's lots of different varieties of salt. You can have regular iodized salt, or you can go kosher salt, which is a little coarser and has a cleaner flavor to it, I find. Um, then there's all different varieties of uh, sea salts and, and, and Himalayan salt, pink salt. So you can play it up and, and enjoy and try different salts for flavors. But yeah, when it comes to pasta, it's a lot of salt in the water. Yeah. When it comes to cooking, maybe if you're going to boil a lobster, comes to a lot of salt in the water. You got to make it super, super salty so that that the, uh, the the lobster or the pasta picks up that flavor and it enhances it. Ted, can I ask you, as as a chef with a restaurant, does it bother you when you put a plate down in front of someone and they'll add seasoning like salt or pepper to it before they even taste the thing? Um, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, I mean. Some people just just the way they are. We cook it the best we can cook it, and out it goes. Um, what bothers me more is when they they pour ketchup all over it, <laughs> <laughs> especially like a steak. Like, come on, no, man! Right? Yeah, yeah. Lucky and I were having this uh, conversation uh, about a week or so ago, and we were talking about steak and how it's the favorite food for people to grill by far after that burgers and other things. But um, the topic of sauces came up, and A1 and HP. Uh, and we know your disdain for ketchup, but how are you with steak sauces like that? Uh, I don't douse your steak in it. I think that sometimes, you know, you can take a little bit of steak sauce, add a touch of olive oil to it, a splash of bourbon, mm. and then baste that on your steak, and it works out rather well. But any kind of a condiment, you really should keep to the side and then cut your steak and have a little bit of sauce on it, right? You don't okay. need to drown it. You want to taste the meat. Right. That's what it's all about. If you're buying a really great steak, um, you want to taste the, the flavor of the meat. You don't want to mask it with adding all these different condiments and sauces. You want to enhance it. And sometimes, uh, back to the salt uh, one more time, uh, Ted, Ted Reader with us uh, for Holinda's Meats. Ted, I, uh, I notice sometimes in fancier grocery stores or other places, you can see them online, you can order, as you said, a variety of salts. But they also have something that seems pretty expensive, and it's uh, finishing salt. What, what the hell does a finishing salt do compared to any other salt? 
Well, it's just a different flavor of salt. So you can you can buy flaked smoked salt. And so if you want to add a little bit of that smokiness to something you're cooking, you whatever the dish is, you finish it with a little bit of uh, smoked salt or a lemon salt or a, hmm. a mustard-infused salt. There's a whole host of different infused flavored salts out there. Um, but also just sea salt. Certain sea salts are premium. Um, and, and just a little bit finishes it, and you get this pure salt flavor that comes through and enhances the food. Very good, Ted. If people want to talk to you about salt, pepper, grilled cheese sandwiches, anything, how do they get a hold of you, pal? Well, you're going to find me at Ted Grills and uh, at Ted Reader's Barbecue, the joint. Uh, the restaurant is closed right now, but I did want to say that we are open for catering and events all the way through till Christmas. So if you're looking to have a Christmas party, give me a call or email me at uh, ted at tedreader.com. Rock Mornings with Craig Venn and Lucky, 94.9 The Rock.